right, start yeah. the show. Uh, you guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. It's a uh, it's a little show we do that celebrates the themes of Saturday morning TV that not only did we grow up with, but also grew up with us. Uh, I am your guide, your host here, Dan Grimshay. Uh, I've also got this guy next to me, Marky. Tell him who you are. Uh, you just did, but I'm here anyway. Whoop, blew that. All right, stranger to my left. Tell them who you are. Hey, howdy, hey, listeners. It's Jimmy the Gent here again. Ooh, I threw him a curveball, and he, he... He hit it. Yeah. yeah. Got a bit of wood. I got a piece all of wood. Right. A, a infield grounder. You got a piece of wood. Uh, all right, so anyway, let's see. Where to start uh, with this week's episode? Um, I was born January 20... I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, all right, all right. I was born January 27th, 1977. Uh-huh. Go ahead, jot that down. Yep. Uh, that night, one of the top-rated shows of all time was on the air. I think it was like part three or four of Roots. Roots, okay. TV miniseries on NBC, I believe. Uh, it was staggeringly popular. Mm-hmm. One might even say it kicked off a trend that we saw continue through the late 70s, early 80s, mid-80s, 90s, perhaps to today. Mm-hmm. We'll follow that thread later, okay. listeners. Right. Event Can't TV. Wait. Event television, where you do, you TV is on all the time, but how do you say to people like, "Hey, we're going to do something special, tune in"? And it turns out these mini series, this was a popular. You pour a lot of money yeah. into you know basically three or four little movies worth, spread them out over a week. You own the the ratings that week, whatever network it is. Like Roots, uh, North and South. Uh, I remember that one. Uh, yeah. Like uh, the Wild Thornberries or something, I feel. It sounds familiar. Uh, I, I was still young for most of those. But what I do remember, uh-huh. and here we go. Here we go. 1983. Yeah. V, Woo! the miniseries, comes out. Oh, my God. This, this is. Changed my life. Uh, you you could say it's partly on the heels of uh, Star Wars yep. success because now everyone's you know Battlestar Galactica and people are networks are trying to spend money on sci-fi, uh, but this this was beyond being very sci-fi. It's, it's V for visitors or victory or right. you p- put whatever V you want in. Well, there, it's going to take a miniseries to figure that out. Yeah, <laughs> also, what's, yeah. also a very economic way to tell a story is to put the visitors on our planet to save on the special effects. But I didn't mean to interrupt Dan. Please continue. No, no, that's all right. Way to well, it it also seemed like knock every, it out from the knees. It also seemed like every time you're trying to like say something about the about our world, they're like, put that message in space. You know, that's kind of what they were doing back then. 
Mm. Right? So if you got something to say, put it in space and say it there. <laughs> put it in space. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll pay extra for the little ships on, on guide wires. Yeah. But that's that was one. But it's it's very allegorical, though. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. That's yeah. that's what this was. V was. We'll just I'll just tell right right out front. Spoiler alert. Yeah. It's uh it's basically a retelling. If, if you of, haven't seen it, if you haven't seen V in the Vinny series yet, please take a second, pause this podcast, watch it, because <laughs> spoilers ahead. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Ahoy. Yeah. In fact, maybe wait until you buy the new Blu-ray, which is it, coming out. It's been thirty-six years, and so you've had time to see it. But <laughs> if you haven't seen it. August 27th, the Blu-ray comes out, and that's kind of the reason we're here is to pitch that, right? Am I correct on that, Mark? I, yeah, that's absolutely true, but I don't actually think we're going to be spoiling anything. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, the miniseries. Um, we're going to be talking about it in a more of a grand concept kind of way. <laughs> um, so you don't have to tune this off. Yeah. Uh, you can actually, hopefully, our episode here is going to get you to go buy this thing because it's coming out on Blu-ray. The only thing that's really aged on it, I just watched it again. Uh, I watched the original cut just two days ago, and the effects are way dated. Not to brag. Yeah, I did. I did. uh, Humble brag. Um, I have ten dollars, and so um, I, I, uh, the things that are the the most problematic about it are the effects. You know, they're very very dated from the eighties TV. The sound quality is a little crappy. The aspect ratio could be a little better, you yeah. know, things like that. But as it turns out, we're going to fix all of that. So if you haven't seen V, uh, August 27th. August 27th. Spoiler alert. Can I drop in about the aspect ratio? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sure. Uh, that Johnson guy mm-hmm. in the panel that we're going to play in a little bit. Kenneth talks, Johnson, creator. Kenneth Johnson, producer, creator. V, the miniseries. Thank you, Dan. Mm-hmm. Talks about how they shot everything in uh, 185 yeah. originally because they were going to sell it for movies, but then they then they uh, shot it for cover for TV because all the microphones are out and everything. You'll hear a lot about that at the end. But I thought that was super interesting how they, they shot it for movies but then uh, played it for TV. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they did a similar approach when they did their sound. And so even though the mix for the original TV wasn't there, they, they ended up having all of this stuff. And so it's really kind of made for blu-ray um it's made for the widescreen but we just didn't have the ability to experience that back then so on uh, august 27th uh get this thing yeah. it's great especially I- I'm gonna if it. you haven't seen yeah. it then definitely pick it up yeah all that being said here's a point by point plot breakdown Go all on. right <laughs> uh it's actually an allegory for uh like i don't want to say based on true events uh, because he's the the whole reason to make it an allegory is to say this is something that could happen, mm-hmm. but it's the idea of uh, fascism, and and how would you react to that? Right. Because especially during the Cold War, Americans we we would all say, still still can't get over those Nazis. Yeah. How did the Germans not see that coming? It's ridiculous. Yep. But uh, and then th- this is kind of a response to that. Like, no, it's a complicated, crazy world. Uh, to illustrate that. Here are some lizard people who eat gerbils. <laughs> yeah, famously. Mark Singer. <laughs> yeah. And, Handsome uh, as hell. And, uh, and, I don't know, suburban Nazi kids. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. It's it's really crazy. And um, I forgot, you know, I, I think I've seen it recently, meaning within the last 10 or 15 years, I think I've seen it again. It was on um, NBC Universal when that was a channel long time ago when I had DirecTV. I think I saw it there. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't make any sense because it's an ABC thing. Anyway, uh, I, don't remember. I don't remember. But anyway, I've seen it. Not, I believe I believe that you've seen it. I've seen it since 
you know, in the past 36 years, I've seen it again. I mean, actually, a couple of times, you yeah. know. So Two different, days ago. different, uh, different channels would like pick it up and show it as like a, a special TV event and things like that. Like we would relive it, and then of course uh, they would have a follow-up series and a, and actually a full full season again. Um, none of those really worked out. Although Michael Ironside was in a couple of those, we can talk about that later. Um, but still, uh, I have seen it before. But in this recent rewatch, in kind of what we're going through now in our political landscape, we're not getting into all that stuff right now. But you know, things are kind of weird, and it's like, how can we become a fascist state? Well, this move, this movie, this this miniseries can kind of put you in that world. How would normal people react when these? Um, incredible circumstances just fall out of the sky and hit them yeah. it's, it's crazy yeah and uh it it goes through like follows i don't know like a some kind of manifesto checklist of all the things that fascists would do and that's the mini series playing out uh and then the roots of rebellion yeah uh so it uh it e- even though most science fiction is western set in space this is more like a french resistance movie <sighs> Set in space on Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you, you follow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to be. We want to be. I think you're right. I actually never really thought about that. I, I think that I think you just kind of nailed it. Mm. Um, there, there is that. Even the whole original guerrilla, the the campaign to promote the show in in uh, in the '80s. I was too young in the '80s to really notice all all of this stuff. But we all, um, some of us here, attended the panel at Comic Con 2019. And they showed some of the original viral marketing posters and billboards that they actually came out with. And so what they did is they basically, they mirrored Nazi propaganda, Nazi posters, and they posted them all over the country, all over L.A., you know, like... With this wait, 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 which one? All over the country or all over L.A.? Pretty, I thought it was L.A. and New York. I thought, uh, I thought he said all over the world, but mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, anyway, let's just say... L- L.A. represents the world. So they're all over L.A. And, uh, <laughs> right, let's just okay. say that. Yeah, let's just let's say just that. Let's just get that and, out of um, And so there's all these posters, and they're like the, like, illustrated posters, you know, like, you know, uh, this. A, a this, painting or a, This Nazi is, you know, he's got the, the red cheekbones. He's a representation of something real. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, a illustration. And so, um, and it's a all, drawing, they're all smiles. They're all happy. And, and did all it, it say is, friendship is universal? Yeah. Exactly. And so it's all these very positive messages and all this stuff. And this viral campaign, before viral was even a word used in that way, um, then all <laughs> that gets Jimmy going. Jim, yes, Jimmy, Jimmy, does, Jimmy does not like. <laughs> We're <down> here. <laughs> He's out of here. And, and what they ended up doing was they ended up having all these posters around, and they actually hired a bunch of you know kids and people to actually go and spray paint big Vs on uh, the letter V <laughs> onto the posters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they really took it back. Um, it was very much, it was treated like it was a French resistance. It was like from uh, the very beginning. grassroots marketing before uh, that was grassroots marketing. <laughs> yeah, we say viral, viral. but uh, yeah, okay. It's like grassroots marketing when it was grassroots marketing. There you go. Yeah, thanks. Nick. Yeah, but th- this thing turned into obviously. Uh, I Some think I think what you're trying to say, Marky, is event television. Exactly yes. what I was trying to when say. You, before event television was called event television. Yeah. Right. No, it was called event oh, television. Yeah, I, I stop, went too far before back. Before viral was called. <laughs> obscuring the line here. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, it was. Uh, you you should really explain what event television is to all us Netflix babies out there. Not us Netflix babies, but those Netflix babies. Oh, those Netflix yeah. babies. What event is event television? television? Well, now it, I think it lives on today in like the form of uh, those live musicals that they do once or twice a year. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, maybe take them back. I mean, this is well before the turn of the century. We're talking about the uh, 1980s, 1980s, right? Yes. <laughs> So, I, I, I think before. the only thing I think the only thing that can qualify for event television is when it's such a big series episode that you don't want to be spoiled, so you have to watch it live, or it's going to be. Right. I think back then, like Super Bowl was an event television. Like yeah, an event, I think back then, event yeah, television but, because you couldn't really, you couldn't. It doesn't live on. After the broadcast, right? Correct. You could, if you had a VCR, you could tape it back then. But if you didn't have a VCR, you were kind of stuck but now, listening to everybody else's interpretation of what happened. Yeah. But, but now but that, that is, still left room for like a produced, scripted content. Right. right. Where now, where you get that is, you know, the weekend when Stranger Things drops on right, Netflix. Right. 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 Yeah. That becomes event television, but only because everyone wants to eat it immediately. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's not where you all have to be at the event at the same time. Back then, if you missed it, it's over. Yeah, you're not gonna mm -hmm. have access to it for who knows if or when that'll happen again. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it turns out to be 36 years later. Yeah, right now, 36 <laughs> Blu-ray release. <laughs> you, August 27. You, you've been asking. Here you go. Uh, there is, but th this kind of represents a big psychological difference in how we absorb this pop culture. Well, right? I think it's a slightly different delivery method, but I think the basic elements are still the same. Okay, well, I guess we don't have an episode. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Please, please explain. Play, play the audio, Magic Mystery We don't have machine. to bury the idea of event television and have an episode. No, it has changed. It's adapted. Okay. No, but this is like if you made V now, uh -huh. and I'm not saying like the remake that Kenneth Johnson is planning. I mean, like, if it had never existed and you made it now, it would be on Netflix. It would be on yeah, Amazon Prime. You'd, you'd break those maybe. 10 or 12 hours into whatever, hour-long episodes, right? Yeah. I mean, it's still good storytelling. It's still, yeah. like, a um, a broader scale than just an hour or two-hour uh, of yeah. story, right? Yeah. And maybe, like, AMC on cable might touch it sure. a couple places. Sure. But networks aren't going to do it. Right. So, yeah, it has changed in that sense. Yeah. Uh, because back in the 80s, it was... You know the four channels, right? <laughs> well, and as, and HBO, but that's not TV. As just a example about how bad a network television channel could actually screw this up, they did try to reboot V back in like '07 or something. No, they didn't. Let's let's move yeah. on. <laughs> it was horrible, and it was uh, I mean, so you know we're. You know, we're all very, very, very lucky that, you know, uh, Hulu and Amazon Prime and uh, Netflix, that they're all out there right now. And they're taking the chances and they're they're putting the resources behind it with a lot of respect and a lot of love because um, it's just it's not working out on network TV like it used to back then with when I hear the term, that format has definitely been seeded to when, the stream. Uh, right. Uh, side note, it's a definitely a different animal. You can't write for network TV the same way you would write for Netflix or right. or prime or some like yeah. uninterrupted you have to for network you have to write for the break the commercial break you know you have to create drama every mm -hmm. 10 or 15 minutes right so it's 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 also a different style of tell storytelling right uh, yeah i agree i i yeah i think that's all very 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 true but uh, but again you know there just seems to be this kind of frontier uh that we see now in the in the netflix that we just 
past those those network channels. Uh, but when I hear event television, it's kind of it kind of goes back to that water cooler talk. You know, uh, this is when everybody watched the same thing at the same time, and then on Monday morning, everybody came in and was talking about that thing that they just saw. Yeah, and which, I think that's kind of no, gone. No, it's not at all. S- Stranger Things comes out on Friday. On yeah. Monday, everyone was talking about it. Or everybody's upset that, you know, you can't spoil it because I haven't seen it yet. I haven't caught up with you. All right, yeah, this, okay, you know, like... 20% of the future market <laughs> yeah. is saying that. Everybody else, they're like, well, I like Stranger Things. It's on right now. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. And you gobble it all up. I think it actually kind of and changes a little Monday bit. And you and you're talking about it at the water cooler. I think it actually just kind of changes a little bit in that it's like all of a sudden it's like, did you watch it yet? Right. It's not. Yeah. Did you watch it? Right. You know, right. like that's sure. the difference. And so as soon as you get that. OK. Yeah. I watched it. Boom. Water cooler talk is on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool. I think that's an advantage to technology. Yay. Science. Uh, but right. I mean, isn't that great that sure. we can all do that? Uh, sure. Well, I, still, mean, that's I still exactly can't grow a tomato movies. in the desert, but uh, we, got, <laughs> yeah. we can watch eight hours of TV all at once. See, I love it. Yeah. I know. I love it. It's great. It's fantastic. But, you know, back then you couldn't. If you missed it, it was over, and you had nothing to talk about. And you had to wait a year, or you just missed out on that conversation completely. Yeah. yeah. And that's sad. <laughs> that is sad. <laughs> yeah. uh, nostalgia for the old days. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Hard, uh, times. Hard times. Hard times. How did we survive? Uh, uh, there, there is, there is I, something. I'll tell you one cool. way. I, I survived. I found solace. What's that? Beastmaster movies <laughs> like that. <laughs> who was yes. the Beastmaster, well, by the way? Mark Singer. Mark Singer, who is also Donovan from V. It, the like, if if you were trying to describe to anthropologists far in the future what an '80s hero is. Oh my God! Yes. You would, you would like draw him with charcoal on the cave is, wall. Is say, it Mark fair Singer. to say that Mark Singer was the American Arnold Schwarzenegger after uh, Conan? Like this was our, our American kind of. Uh, I mean, well, si- it's similar taken costume. to say there's anything more American than Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah. in the '80s, that's especially. I, I actually, that's, I, I that's think a he was great uh, story. And Mark Singer is about 130 pounds. Wasn't there a wet female too. Beastmaster too? Like, uh, bu- I, bu- bu- I never uh, saw a Beastmaster. Uh, uh, don't, I, I know. I don't know if you're trying to get me to say Bitchmaster. <laughs> I, I but I won't see, do it. Uh, uh, I did see I'll a couple of episodes of terrible. Beastmaster a long time ago, but I just cannot, for the life of me, remember them. Tiger Girl. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a show. It was a movie. Like that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a movie. It was, okay, it was a All series. Right. Yeah, and there was Red Sonja, which was well, I remember uh, that. a spinoff of Conan. But yeah. Yeah. Beastmaster Conan is. It wasn't a redheaded talk show i'm sorry that was i nails, do think that was on uh, the chalkboard sir. i i think apologies the, to all the conan heads in, in the conan it was conan for said. 100 conan. years before what? what's his name got his show it's conan no it's not oh, conan <laughs> stop it <laughs> the idea of the donovan character in v um and Mark Singer's performance there, I think it actually harkens back to more of the traditional television heroes, like the television cops, you know, uh, Mannix and Columbo even. You know, like these guys are, um, you know, kind of that hero of the week, villain of the week. You know, he has to go out. He's, he's very cookie cutter. You kind of know where Donovan's coming from. He's a hero that can handle all problems that are coming his way an action and, journalist yeah he's an action journalist in this case and it's just it's great because he kind of represents um truth 
you know, he has to capture the truth and deliver the truth. And that's kind of how his whole character goes through this whole experience. And again, we're not going to spoil this thing for you because we think it's important that everybody kind of watch this movie. It's something that we all lived through and, and, and just loved um, looking forward to reliving it again. But yeah, it is, I think he was more of the traditional TV hero. Um, but for me personally, you know, Donovan was a real hero of mine. Um, I did, we went to Comic-Con this year. We had access to the press room. I attended the round table with him. Uh, if you, there are some YouTube clips that capture me in the screen with him. Uh, I'm the guy with the blue, uh, hat with the rebel Alliance symbol on it from star Wars. You Big guys will red see shirt that just, says I'm not bragging on yeah. it. Just uh, <laughs> say hi if you see me. Yeah, no, but you guys will see me and how nervous I look sitting next to him. You know, and I well, been, he's the Beastmaster. He's the Beastmaster, right? You know, well, th this you. guy's Donovan. Like I used to play on the Jungle Gym, and I was I was Donovan, and we were playing V, right? Have, I have, wanted to be Donovan. Have I you keep ever telling been to Spain? you we weren't playing V. What's that? Have you ever been to Spain? I'm, I, I have. Been I to understand Spain. that that's very big there, Spain. Yeah, yeah it's still there's actually still. Uh, there's still parades every year. People are still dressing up as V. There's cosplay and all this stuff. V is still a very popular show, but in the 80s... In Spain. In, in Spain. In Spain. Yeah, that's fine. But I, um, heard but I, I was so excited. I wasn't, I wasn't disparaging the good Spanish people. Yeah, what's wrong? But well, they, just, you know... That, I'm sorry, I didn't know that fact, and it seemed... it. It's hit me for well, weird. you. Well, Spain had a lot of fascism thrown on them. <laughs> <laughs> they they want a hero. You know, you might be absolutely right. Yeah, uh, but if uh, I if, think they just like the the uh, the broad shoulders. They're bringing it back. The uh, padded they, shoulders. There is. There's the all the, of the visitors' costumes do have that V cut to it. That's oh, yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I just never blew your mind put there. Those two together. Uh, but back to this introduction of this audio that and we that we want to bring you. They in Spain. Uh, it would be. That just doesn't have the same bite to it. To it me. doesn't. I think they still call it V. Anywho, uh, I got to actually talk with him. I believe I got the first question in. Mark Sanger, and, the uh, Beastmaster himself? I was next Donovan. to him, and you guys will hear it in my voice how nervous I am uh, sitting next to him. But if you guys want to see it, it's not my videos, but if you go to YouTube and you search San Diego Comic-Con, V the miniseries, you'll see this audio in person, and you're going to see me next to this guy, and I am freaking out. This guy is a hero of mine. Uh, he's still handsome as ever, but I think we need to bring you this audio now. Yeah, way to sell that interview there, Mr. Confidence. All right, magic interview machine. Let's hear Mark E. shaking in his boots with Mark Singer. And everybody likes to see the hero leap from tall buildings at a single bound and knock down the bad guy and ride off into the sunset with the girl. And everybody loves to see that kind of stuff. And I certainly enjoy portraying that. Um, but beyond that, I think the, the story of V, which is the drawing together of all portions of community so that we all recognize and celebrate the plurality of the, of the, of the world that we all inhabit, that world that Neil Armstrong said that he could hide behind his thumb. Uh, when looking out of Apollo 11, right, that he could, he could hide the entire world, all of us. We're all in this together. And I think that's, uh, that's one of the aspects of V, I think, that keeps it relevant. So, um, so V, to me, because I grew up when watching this, right. uh, you know, and you know, my age, but um, the thing that I was curious about was this was my Star Trek. Right. You know, right. how is it for you to be a part of something like this that has been like part of sci-fi history? 
and become such an icon in it. You know, it 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 it, it fulfills uh, the uh, the dream, the Hollywood dream, for any actor. Um, uh, when I was a kid, uh, everything was westerns. It was the Lone Ranger and uh, Roy Rogers and Hopper Cassidy and all this. So. For me, one day I'm walking along the street and I'm Mark Singer, and the next day I'm Mike Donovan, and uh, I am uh, I am fulfilling that desire that I had as a kid to be a television hero, to be a filmic hero. Uh, I didn't realize that uh, that the demands, uh, emotionally, intellectually, morally, um, all those demands would resonate within me in order that the character uh, be as honestly portrayed as it could. And I didn't, I, I think I learned a great deal, uh, not just about filmmaking, uh, but about filmmakers, about what it takes to, uh, to bring something like that actually to the screen, uh, what kind of metal uh, it, it calls for from the producers, the writers, the directors, and, and the performers. So it was a, the, the button, I guess, to, to this is that it, it was the fulfillment of a, of a dream to become, uh, to portray that character. Yeah. Can you well, talk about um, the first time you saw the V script? Like, what was your reaction to it? How, how did you I'm sorry, do that again? The what? The first time you saw the script to the oh. miniseries, what was your reaction to it? Uh, what was the process to get the role? When I first read the script... Um, the, of course, the immediate effect was that the writing was terrific and the story was terrific. That's the, that's the first two things that hit you, strike you immediately. Um, but the, the process of getting the role was, was really uh, almost as though it was meant to be. Ken Johnson read my part to the network for me and then hustled me out of the room before I could say a word. So uh, the, the role was conferred upon me in the old-fashioned way that it used to be done back in the golden days of the silver screen, which is that the auteur selected somebody beforehand and said, that's going to be my Mike Donovan, and ran it right through the network, and there I was. Why he uh, wanted you in particular? He had seen me on stage uh, performing in Shakespeare in The Taming of the Shrew, something that's still available, by the way, on DVD. Um, and uh, 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 blow my own horn for a brief moment. I, I <laughs> no, but I mean... You're entitled. Well, you're totally oh, you're the headliner. Do I received the, the, the Los Angeles Drama Critics Circle Award for that performance as Petruchio in Taming the Shrew. So he saw that. Uh, and then he also had seen me in a, in a film that I made called The Beastmaster. And when he saw those two things, he said, okay, that's my guy. That's who I want. And so... So he's a mix of Patricio and Beastmaster? You're not far off in saying that. Those, those roles both underpin the character of Mike Donovan. Um, uh, I was, for uh, a requisite number of years while on the, on the live stage, I was basically a character actor. I was playing King Lear and Shylock and, and uh, 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 Antonio and all these different people in, in different plays. Um, uh, but... Um, it, it takes a special outlook uh, to produce the image and characteristics, uh, uh, personality characteristics of what we think of as heroic 
on the screen. And I was very fortunate uh, to be sort of schooled in this when I was playing the Beastmaster uh, in association with a director named Chuck Bale, B-A-I-L, Chuck Bale. Uh, and I actually uh, asked him uh, on one of the earliest days of our filming of The Beastmaster, I took him aside and asked him, I said, look, I've got to do this character that is supposed to respond through the movie in a certain set of ways, and I don't know how to make those choices correctly. Can you help me? And he said, yeah, we can do that. And he's the one who schooled me. He was one of the originators of the, uh, he was one of the founding members of the uh, Stuntmen's Association. So uh, his his knowledge of filmmaking and his expertise was uh, was uh, it was it is uh, 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 very deep and broad, and so I was very very fortunate to be taught that way. Hey, hello again. Hello. Uh, so they brought you back for the reboot or whatever. Right. Uh, I don't know if you were playing Mike Donovan or what, but right. the question is, did you know where that character was going before they pulled the plug? Because to me, the show was getting, got really interested when you showed up, and then right. they pulled the plug on us. <laughs> right. I, I appreciate that, uh, that that you say that it got interested, interesting when I showed up. It's, it's, uh, I hope that's in a good way. I'm, I, um, uh, uh, I just know that I had, I had no idea where the character was uh, supposed to go. I'm not certain that they did either. My hope was to be that... Uh, my hope was that uh, through being on the show, I would be able to pull the show back more toward uh, the actual flesh and blood of the 1980s and less from the uh, sort of CGI uh, uh, experience, which, uh, which uh, I found to be quite different than my own experience earlier on. Why do you think that show failed? Um, that's beyond my pay grade. <laughs> I actually know the answer it? to that. Did you, Did you watch it before getting I'm, I'm not a good audience for anything that I'm in. I never am. I, I, uh, uh, I remember uh, uh, people asking me those questions before about my, uh, my own involvement in V, and I have to say I usually was so busy either making that project or moving on to the next that I rarely had time to actually see what it was that we made, except in those days we used to see what were known as the dailies or the rushes. And so I, I might have seen some of it or when I was doing some looping or some additional dialogue recording. But, but basically, there are, there are many of these shows that I really have never even seen. Uh, uh, they, they didn't honor the original series, and I think that was the biggest problem with that, with yeah, that, with that show. That. I was a huge fan of it. I, I used to... I used to play you when, when it was recess. You were my teacher. Me too. Right? I used to the, the I red used to dust yeah, thing in the recess. And not just yeah. as a, I was Donovan, but as the beast master. <laughs> as a beast master also, I and, think everyone wanted to be. And it just didn't it didn't satisfy that craving that we had for B again. I think I think so often the mistake is made in creating sequels uh, that um, a whole, it's like reinventing the wheel. Uh, no, well, you should go with what's tried and true. That's what got you there. You know? and so uh, perhaps that's true. Yeah. So you were talking about all your work in Shakespeare, and um, I'm curious uh, to hear from you how it is to work in genre and how genre is getting more respect now, and how with with films like this, with V. Um, you're able to talk about morality tales and talk about things um, with a blanketed within that, and uh, people get thinking about things. Uh, can you talk about 
being a Shakespearean actor and working in sci-fi and how you bring that gravitas and that importance to it. Well, I think, I think that um, well, this goes to my general belief about acting in the first place, which is that I think that every actor and every writer uh, should start off with Shakespeare, period. That you, you, the way, very often the way Shakespeare is approached these days, it's not until you already have learned a whole bunch of things and uh, in the acting realm you, you've been working on contemporary pieces uh, and then eventually you feel it's, it's felt that you know enough about that that now you can work on Shakespeare. It's just the reverse. You should start with Shakespeare because he's so architectural. He's so, uh, he's almost legal, legalistic. Every character that he writes, every word that he writes for every character, is almost like a contract. That character does not step out of those characteristics which absolutely, explicitly define their mood, their tone, their intent, uh, their morality, everything about them. And so when you, when you then shift something like that over into a, uh, a modern context like sci-fi, you then apply the same architectural tenets that you learned in Shakespeare to that. And you begin to parse the characters and you parse the situations that they're in in a similar fashion so that you remain as true as you can to the through storyline of, uh, of the developing story. If you're in a series, eventually your own character is going to... The, 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 the writers are not going to be defining the character to you you're going to be defining the characters and the writers are going to be writing to the character. And that's when you begin to know that you're in full swing. You can see this in many series, many of your favorite series, if you look at them uh, in, in retrospect or binge watch them or something like that. You can see the characters themselves begin to, that the writers begin to write to them as opposed to them following the writers. We are done, everybody. Thank you to Mark Singer. Thank you very much. Tonight is your chance to see how it all began, to relive the excitement that is V, the most extraordinary miniseries ever. A daring TV journalist struggling to uncover the startling truth behind the alien's visit to Earth. And a beautiful and brave young scientist fighting for the very survival of the human race. Together, they take you on a fantastic journey to meet the visitors. Prepare yourself for a television event that's out of this world. Prepare for the next. And that was definitely the telltale signs of event television. Yeah, like, when don't he's... leave. <laughs> Sit down. We have your children. <laughs> yeah. Do not leave. The most amazing TV show is about to show ever is, is about to air right now. Mm. It was amazing. Uh I'm trying to remember, did they usually show miniseries in the summer? I don't think they were above it, but they were probably aiming for like sweeps weeks. Okay, or, that makes sense. Or otherwise just totally dead. So like the spring, like the... May, June. Feel, uh yeah, yeah, this this started in uh, May first, nineteen eighty three was the Oh first wow, episode. look at this. Oh. He's ready. He's ready Ooh. with that. You know, right on the trigger. Thanks. On May Day, nonetheless. That probably means something. <laughs> Maybe so. Who knows? Uh I don't I mean who knows? Kenneth Kenneth Johnson seems like a Kenneth real Johnson, fun guy. Yeah, the creator, yeah. the producer of the. He was not on board with the next miniseries or the short-lived actual series. I though, watched it, correct. and uh, I'm a big fan of 90 percent of the follow-up series, which was V: The Final Battle, 
because one of my favorite characters and actors of all time, Michael Ironside. Yeah, my we, old buddy Mike. Yeah, yeah. But we've had him Mikey on Irons. past and future guest. Yeah, we've had him on two episodes. You guys got to go to MattyPRadio.com. Uh, check out our Michael Ironside. We have two episodes with him, two exclusive uh, interviews. We talk about his experience with V on one of them. The other one is even crazier than that. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was Yeah, But, um, you know, uh, he was not on the original miniseries. He was just on the follow-up. And so for those of you that are... And might, this Blu-ray might be, release, I think, is just the original just miniseries. It's just the original so miniseries. Expect so don't expect to get no Ironside. all the V. Loose yeah. connection to Michael Ironside on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think... Uh, Past and future guests, yes. Michael Ironside. Uh, but, you know, this Good is... Good enough for me. Magic interview machine. Michael Ironside. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do Michael Ironside. Oh, uh, but what always about Kenneth excited... Johnson? Well, that's what I'm talking about because uh, we do have some audio from Kenneth Johnson. Uh, some of it that I had to poach. Some of it is what I'm bringing to you. But yeah, we got to sit down with him too. So uh, A this slave guy slave to the truth. This Mark Singer. I know. Marky here. Uh, Mark, oh, do you call me Mark Singer? Marky Singer. How about that? Uh, he actually didn't spell his name correctly. He spells it with a C. I spell it with a K. Anyway, that's okay. Um, so that's all right. We'll call you Marcy. Do you do that? No, he's Marcy. It's too late. It's uh, chiseled it in stone. You've been dubbed. You're Marcy Singer from now on. Uh, Welcome to the show. Kenneth Johnson is the creator and the producer. And what I realized in my recent rewatch, because I watched the whole thing, which includes the final battle with the Michael Ironside. Humble he, brag he, that I've got not, that much time. He's not in... Um, Kenneth Johnson did get a created by credit, but he's got nothing to do with the writing. He's got nothing to do with the production. Um, and it sounds like he's kind of disowning it a little bit, mm. to be honest with you. I think he's he had some problems with it. I don't know what the politics were and why he wasn't involved. I think it was studio differences, creative differences. He um, does come across a little salty in the audio. Yeah. Like, and I it, think, like this I is think what I wanted, are, and this yeah. is what they did, and this is what I wanted, and this is what they did. <laughs> yeah, but we're not here to talk about sour grapes. What we're here to talk about is the release of this, uh, this one of the most iconic and amazing television television events of all time really and uh it's going to be remastered and redubbed and it's going to be on blu-ray available august 27th um and, and on top of that he's remaking the whole thing oh and very yes oh my god about announced uh, we don't have a date on that so. yeah announced at comic-con and he just spits it out like out of nowhere so it's entirely possible yeah. <laughs> this is his delusion <laughs> knows and so out of nowhere guys they're actually doing two follow-up movies and i got to see some production uh concept art um and one of the the image that i'm reminded of was this at the panel yeah it was it was at the panel and uh the the concept art that i saw was the iconic um disc the the big spaceship yeah the big Big and flying saucers from and the beginning. It's over the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, which mimics uh, the first one of the first images in the original series of the big spaceships over the Golden Gate Bridge. But this time, when you look down, there's no water in the bay. Um, it's I'm teetering on spoiler alerts here. <laughs> Why is there no water? Uh, again, you guys should watch V. Um, th th those of us that have seen the series know why there's probably not any water. But um, there's no water here. And so what this tells us is that the visitors have been here and they've been winning. 
uh, and they're getting what they want. Um, so it was kind of a big deal for me, who's familiar with the with the story. But they're going to do it. They're making movies again, and these are going to be, I believe, theatrical releases, not miniseries, not on Netflix, and they're going to have the budget. It, so it's this guy's mind with today's technology, today's budgets. I think it's going to be great. Mm, I bet you it will be on Netflix, but uh, <laughs> that it will be too. <laughs> I, I'm just excited about it. I and he just spits it out like it's nothing. Like we all knew about it. The whole the whole place was just like, wait, what? And he's like, oh yeah, we're doing the movie. You know, it's mm. just crazy. There you go. Um, exactly the same way we dropped the news to you, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> maybe should have mentioned that sooner. Anyway. Remake on the way, but uh-huh. the Blu-ray is coming out uh, any second now, depending August on when you're hearing 27th. this. Uh, August 27th officially, but it's remastered. New effects have been put in there, new visuals. The CGI. And, and now the only... Jimmy, Jimmy, what's that aspect ratio again? 1A5. 1A5. Say it slower. 1.85. But so you it's, so it's not that. It's not 3.4? sexy at all. It's not 3.4? Like it's not 3.4? The way like, it should be on a television? <laughs> I thought that's what he said, uh, and it's also not mono. One eight five. It's Is also it? it's also not going to be in mono. It's going to be five point one sound. So that's a big deal. It's got one of the greatest theme musics. It's ding 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 ding. Now I'm the I'm doing mono. V's, the silly bees <laughs> coming down shaking your trees. Uh, I don't think we could say anything more, and nor should we. No. I think it's time because we we have nothing else to say about this. Let's hear it from the horse's mouth himself. Kenneth Johnson, will you come over and sit down next to me? Everybody. Well, I, I guess not. Magic interview machine, bring us to him. Meanwhile, how in the press in the last two years since the uh, election in sixteen that. There's been talk about the book that Sinclair Lewis wrote, It Can't Happen Here. I've seen it come up over and over and over again because it's the same kind of scary underpinning in the groundswell that begins to form around a charismatic, uh, which is what we have. And um, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really startling. Um, and, it, it, and it has really sort of brought me, I think, back into the consciousness today because if you go on my website, there are uh, a poster, some posters of political satire of uh, a visitor, one of, like, one of our uh, you know, propaganda posters with the visitor guy in uniform and the dark glasses and reaching out and shake his hand, except the face is Donald Trump. <laughs> And and that that was a Canadian artist. We found a guy named Scott. Uh, uh, he was a Scottish Canadian artist in Calgary. Had done that, and it just appeared on the web. We had nothing to do with it. And it's happened around the world in in Avignon, France, uh, last fall, uh, on the on a wall the size of this wall, that big. <laughs> uh, there's this graffiti work, but it's not like spray paint graffiti. It's like a painting uh, of the visitor leader. Uh, with the dark glasses and the hand and and the face is the current U.S. president. And one of the things I particularly love about it is there's a French phrase that's written on the bottom, and it says, to the heroism of the resistance fighters, past, present, and future, this work is respectfully dedicated. And it was like I saw that. It was breathtaking. And I think that shows how... It's it's just in the consciousness of people. And my wife Susie is really big on Facebook, and she sees these things coming in all the time from people who are. It sounds like they're talking about Hitler, but then you get through it, and they're talking about V, and uh, and or what's going on in Washington right now, which is just so 
worrisome. But and the silent majority in in the Republican Congress, it's just terrifying. It's, it's exactly it. Nobody speaks up until it's too late. Anyway, I went on and on. They've been converted. Well, no, they want their, they want their jobs, and they feel that's the only way they can keep their jobs because if they say anything bad about our dear leader. You won't be there for um, Money is money. Money is money. <laughs> the, the reboot uh, yes, sir. didn't work. No. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's always great to see more V. I didn't see it. I saw the first pilot and I said, okay, not my cup of tea. <laughs> uh, you know, and I said, thank you. And uh, uh, and it was it was unfortunately, and, you know, and the, the, funny, the good news for us was who were trying to make the movie is that opening night, huge rating, like the Bionic Woman first night, huge rating. And then people said, oh, that's not the Bionic Woman I wanted to see, and they didn't come back. And the same thing happened with the, 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 the audience. This is the second night were dropped off by one third, and they just kept falling. And so they pulled it, fired the whole uh, team, and brought in a whole nother team. And I had dinner, I had lunch with one of the guys who had been in the midst of all of that, and he said it was total chaos, nobody had a clue what they were doing. And uh, and the guy that did the Bionic Woman remake, uh, David Icke, had done Battleship Battlestar Galactica, which I thought was really pretty good. It was better than the original, I thought. Uh, and I thought maybe he could pull it off. And it, you know, and I saw the pilot, and I thought, oh my god, you know, it's just uh, it has no heart, has no humor, it has no humanity, and they don't have a leading lady. Uh, and after it, I got to say, uh, after it did crash and burn, he, I, he really took it on the chin. He got up and said, you know. We blew it. We didn't know what it was about. And it didn't have any heart or humanity. I mean, exactly what I'd said, and he took the blame for it. And I thought, wow. I don't know, David, but he's... Yeah, it's he's, nice. he's Accountability he's is right. a good exactly. thing. Exactly. Aces in my book. Can you talk about the remastering process for the Blu-ray? Um, why the decision was made to switch the aspect ratio? Was it originally shot with that... Oh, you, you weren't in the con, you weren't in the meeting just now, right? No. Okay, here's the short. <laughs> <laughs> was, okay. was it shot more with the white screen? It was screen shot or? 185. Okay. We shot it in 185 originally, and the reason for that was I had had a pilot. I, my movie pilot of the Incredible Hulk was released overseas as a foreign theatrical. In 77, it instantly became the top-grossing motion picture in Europe for two months. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> you know? Um, and and, it, and we, a second Hulk that I did was also released over foreign. And we had shot that in 4x3 for TV. So when it came to V, I said, this is very likely to get released overseas foreign, and I want it to look like it ought to look. So let's shoot it in, in uh, 185 and protect for TV so that we don't see microphones coming down, you know. But that way, it'll, and um, um, when they were doing the original DVD, uh, they called me and they said, hey, um, uh, we've been looking at this, and uh, it looks great in Letterbox. Did you shoot it that way? And I said, uh, yeah. And when George uh, Feldenstein uh, was putting the, the Blu-ray together, he, that was the first call I got. He said, uh, can you, um, I went back, and it looks like you really shot it in 185. He said, well, what about the purists that are going to say, we want to see it the way we saw it? And I said, don't. This is the better way to see it. <laughs> well, the other thing that was too funny about the original DVD release, because I've been uh, courting, uh, leaning on Warners for like three years, late 90s. So you guys ought to do a DVD release. Yeah, ho-hum, ho-hum. In about 2001, I got a call from Warners, and they said, we had a great idea. We had a DVD release of V. I said, that's great. What are you going to use for a soundtrack? And they said, well, the original. I said, the original that's in mono? Because Warners wouldn't let me mix in stereo because they said well nobody's broadcasting in stereo and I said no but they will be next week you know and just like the screens are going to get bigger and so we had to go back and remaster and it was great because I got to go back I had more time 
twice as much time re uh, doing the mix for the DVD than I did for the original pilot, and it sounds so much better. And on the Blu-ray, I don't know, it's even better. Yeah, 5.1. Yeah, 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 it's great. Yeah, the helicopters fly by in the background. It's great stuff. But do you think the second miniseries or the series will end up on uh, Blu-ray? I have no idea. The, the, it, it doesn't, it's, there's certainly there are a lot of fans of the, the, the final battle. Uh, but uh, I my, literally, I, all my friends who worked on it said, you can't look at it, Kenny. It will tear your heart out and make you crazy. And so I didn't. And then one day I was, I was channel surfing, and I came across this scene, and I said, what is that? I said, oh, my God. <laughs> and I watched 30 seconds, and I turned it off because I saw them make every mistake they could make in 30 seconds, and I knew that I could never see the whole thing. So... Uh, I don't know. It was it was certainly popular. It did not get the the ratings or the critical acclaim that, that I was fortunate enough to get the first time out. Uh, but uh, as a matter of fact, one reviewer, Lee Margulies of the L.A. Times, just castigated, it, took it apart, and at the end he said the reason it was so bad was because Kenny wasn't there. Yeah. And I thought, the this is the best review I ever got. <laughs> <laughs> so you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have made the baby a, a superhero star child. Uh, gee, no. <laughs> oh my God! When the I heard that, Mark I went, you know? "Oh, gag me! This is what are you? What are you crazy?" And the whole Mar well, you didn't hear the story either about Michael Ironsides, uh, who is a great actor. I love him. I had nothing to do with the casting, but when, but Ham Taylor's character was in a wheelchair. And it, was, it defined his entire character, the fact that he was trapped in a wheelchair. And when Ironside got the part, he went to the producers and said, my name is Ironside, I can't play a guy in a wheelchair. And they said, right. oh yeah, he doesn't need to be in a wheelchair. We'll take him out. It's like, you know, exploded the, uh, the concept. So, so how will your movie then differ from the NBC reboot and what happens in Final Battle and the series? The, the remake will be a real legitimate remake, of the, a very faithful remake. To the original, I'm not going to go in and reimagine it. You know the de the deadly or word. reboot. That's right. Yeah, no, no, not that. It no, it's a. It will really be a remake. Uh, but obviously, I mean, with a lot of the, almost all of the same characters and the storylines and stuff, a few twisted around and a little bit different. Robert uh, Maxwell, for example, was an anthropologist in the original. He is a computer guru in this one. Uh, and his boss is like uh, Zuckerberg, you know, or the head of, uh, of Cisco or something. Uh, so there are a few changes there like that. But basically, it's the story and a lot of the lines even because, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That's the thing. And I don't want to, didn't want to reinvent the wheel. Uh, because I, the, the beauty of coming to places like this is you get to be face-to-face -face with the fans. And I mean, I get a gazillion emails because on the original DVD, I put a, an, an address if you had co comments or questions. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's how I emailed you. <laughs> well, that's it. But it comes, it, they, they come in literally by the thousands, and I, and I really answer all of them. Of course, I have created some macros for the questions that are always answered, but I always try to personalize them too. And it has given me a sense of what they want about how they, when the, when the sequel, the series came out, there's been a couple of tries, and all, always they just don't connect with the audience and uh, the way that the original did and uh, so what I want to do is is satisfy the fans but then exceed their expectations of course yeah. and there will be some new wrinkles and twists and of course uh, and now technology's coming well, the, yes you the, well there was no internet there was no internet there were no cell phones there was all of that stuff you know that had to be fun. so it'll be a faithful remake but at the same time uh, I think it's going to have enough new sparkle that it will just get a can you okay can you talk about doing uh, complicated visual effects and makeups 
um, on television in the early 1980s with the technology that was available at the time? Well, you know, when I had to turn Bill Bixby into Lou Ferrigno in 1977, uh, we did use the same exact technology that they had for the Wolfman in the 1940s. You know, you'd shoot him a little makeup, and, and, we'd, and we'd have a sandwich while he put more makeup on Bill, and we'd shoot a little more, and then he'd dissolve, 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 and, and ultimately, you know, we would make the transformation to Lou. And uh, so there was no morphing, there was nothing like that. And when I came up with the idea of a woman swallowing a guinea pig, you know, uh, one of the guys in the... That was awesome. I didn't say this in the production meeting, but one of the guys in the crew said, you think you can find an actress that can do that? <laughs> so, I'm not going to even go answer that question. Uh, but um, so the, the idea is to me, whenever, if you get ever you can do it in the camera, that's the way you want to do it. That's the way Peter Jackson does it. That's the way Cameron does it. Certainly it's the way Chris Nolan does it. Whenever you can do it in the camera, it's great. Uh, but when it's easier and faster and it's going to look just as good to be able to do it in CGI and you have more control and you can make it look great and you can move the camera. I mean, I was so hamstrung in those days. Uh, I was at, a, at the Motion Picture Academy last week and they had a, a gathering of all the guys and men and women that had worked on Star Wars, the first Star Wars, and all the people that had worked on Rogue One. And it was like a three-hour evening of how we got from there to here and how we had it. And, and I realized that they had been hamstrung on Star Wars the same way I had. If you wanted to get visual effects going, you had to have the camera still for the most part. And, um, uh, and also, Lucas had the benefit of putting his spacecraft against black sky, which is a great saving grace because you don't get mat lines, you can't see them. But when you try to take a spacecraft and put it into the middle of L.A., the lighting and every there's so little psychological touches that are so hard to get. So the CGI is, is really helpful, and uh, uh, and also now to be able to be able to previs. We I ran a previs if you went there. I ran a previs clip that we were working up at uh, my friends at CBS Digital for the movie, uh, and now I can really make the inside of the mothership uh, look like gangbusters. <laughs> you know, it's gangbusters. Speaking uh, of speaking yeah. of guinea pigs, what role would Jane Butler play in your movie? I don't know. That's a tricky one because uh, I can't. She's you know. I need somebody that is younger now to play V to play in in uh, in, the, in the movie. Um, and uh, I can. I have the ability to use some of the players, some of the human players like Mark, uh, <coughs> to play in the sequels uh, as their age that they are now. But I, it's going to be tricky how to figure out the casting there because, like I said, I always want to work with my friends. Thank you. And. Uh, um, and, I, and the people that I've loved and who have done did great jobs for me. So, uh, so I would you know, try to find a way to uh, work them in one way or the other. But see, Mark and Faye, for example, if she was up for it, would be, uh, would be age-appropriate to play the older characters. And uh, so we'll, we'll see how it plays you out. You had talked a little bit in the panel about how the funding was originally going to come from Desi, Desi Lou Studios. This guy, this, this, yeah, this billionaire guy bought Desi, the right to Desi Lou Studios, <laughs> he thought. And, uh, and started making some deals with people like us. Uh, he gave us a big chunk of change for a, for a six-month option. And we started working right away. We were in the visual effects. We were doing location scouting and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and, uh, but we kept waiting for, well, where's the tranches coming in that you said were going to be coming in? And, and it turned out, and Hollywood Reporter did this big uh, expose about the fact that he was a sham. And, and the money that he had given us, he had borrowed from somebody else. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and then CBS started suing him because he hadn't really gotten the rights to that name and Desi Lou and the, oh, it was a, it was a big so, mess. So it was a heartbreaker. Yeah, because really. he was there and we were going to have creative control and be able to do it exactly right. the way. I so wanted. then, what's the status then if that funding wasn't 
Is that, it there that went anymore? away? Yeah. Well, that's what we did. Maybe you missed that part, too. Okay, this is important to tell you because we have, uh, uh, my team has never stopped working, uh, but we just added a new producing partner in the last five weeks, uh, a guy named Ted Field. And if you don't know Ted Field, I will tell you that he's made like about 40 of the big Hollywood movies, including the uh, the Riddick trilogy, the, the Three Men and a Baby, and the Seven, the, the Last Samurai, and the trilogy that goes under the title of Jumanji. You know? <laughs> and Ted came to us with a, a way to do it, to, to follow the pathway that I want to do, because I, I didn't want to give up creative control, because I could have sold it to a studio for, for mid-seven figures, Ten and years ago, that's right. Rage. That's right. Well, that's it. I, I've seen it happen. I've seen the Bionic Woman, The Incredible Hulk, get screwed up, uh, and V also. And I said, no, no, I'd rather the movie never got made than mm -hmm. got made wrong by the wrong people. And uh, so that's why we've been holding on. And Ted, I think, is going to. And that's breaking news today. Nobody's heard that until today. Uh, but Ted is a dynamite. Yes, sir. We're cutting you off. <laughs> oh, fully. But I love these people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know what? You'll see him again someday. But I got to. Okay. Gone from our delicious alphabet. Gone with nasty McEvil. <laughs> now names with Z's will be spelled with me. This alphabet spells with a city of Thanks, Alfie. Now we can spell our names again. With post-alphabet cereal, part of this nutritious breakfast, it's doggone good. Mm. That dude was taking all the V's. I get it. I get it. He was taking all the V's. Yeah. In case you had some trouble hearing that at home, that was... Totally. Good. Alphabet Serial. Alphabet apparently had a letter-stealing villain somewhere in its marketing Named class. Alfie. No, no, I'm sorry. Alfie was the hero Alfie dog. was the hero yeah, dog. Yeah, sorry. He stopped. Yeah. Okay, all right. But yes, he was, stealing, he was stealing all the V's. The letter burglar. <laughs> so there you go. I found, a, I found a serial commercial that ties into this. So Hot damn. Uh, never failed yet. I know. But uh, what do you guys think about Kenneth Johnson, huh? He was crazy. Very excited. Still cares about this yeah. 36 years He's later. He's got a lot to say. He, got, he didn't get enough stage time at the panel, I think. Like in the in the roundtable, he just kind of unloads. Yeah, I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, he definitely had a he had a lot to say about this. He's obviously very aware of our current political environment. I'm not going to say that goddamn name here, but um, right, right. I mean, how, it's it's relevant. Yeah, I mean, no. there's. Uh, Goddamn just, AOC. Just a, <laughs> just a, uh, more letters, um, <laughs> and so uh, just just to kind of round just to kind of wrap all this up. In this miniseries, it's about freedom of the press, as represented by Mike Donovan, the lead character. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about um, the uh, the importance of scientific minds and and authority and like um, like educated concepts and thought no. and freedom of thought and freedom of you know like all this stuff. Like it's all in this miniseries. And these are themes that were, you know, really important to people uh, back in 1983. And my God, this thing rings true right now today. And now we get it in uh, 5.1 sound. Uh, what's that ratio again? 1.85. Oh, that's the stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. We oh, cannot wait. So I'm excited about this. And I want you guys to be excited about this. And uh, assuming that uh, the... Uh, Warner Brothers gods from above come through here, we will be giving away uh, your um, Blu-ray V copy. Um, I just want you guys to let us know 
that you heard it here uh, at Stay Classy SDCC. Send a message to me or follow Die. and retweet <laughs> SD Batman 66 uh-huh. or <laughs> don't. It's a free country. <laughs> Grimshay does not tweet. Uh, I do not involve in the tweets. (laughs) But uh, the other kind of bonus giveaway that I am doing is I got a promotional. It's like a big three-inch button. Uh, I wish I could show it to you guys. I'm actually wearing it right now. But I got this from Comic-Con about this is for the horrible reboot. But it says, I love V. I heart V. I hear you, Um, brother. It's beautiful. And uh, I I just, I can't sell it enough. It's a really cool uh, uh, giveaway. Um, Horrible adaptation, but great giveaway. And there's, it's probably the only only one left in the world. Also a fabulous description for an audio medium. It it really is. So uh, anyway, guys, um, that's our V episode so far. Hopefully we get to do the final battle one next year, if they ever release that one on Blu-ray. Um, and we'll talk more about Michael Ironside. Yep, we'll talk. We'll have Michael Ironside, Green Slimy Babies, all the other things to remember <laughs> that we couldn't touch on in this one. Uh, but yeah, hats off. Thanks again to Kenneth Johnson, uh, Mark Singer, Mark Singer, Singer. the amazing Mark Singer, uh, and everybody else who was even tangentially involved in V. Hey, thanks, y'all. Thank Robert you, England. listener. Thanks for listening. Oh, Robert England, yeah. he's in there. Don't, yeah. uh, stop opening cans of worms. All right, that's enough of this. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.